Welcome to the special podcast from Finnegan, analyzing public interest arguments in U.S. International Trade Commission investigations. We're joined by Finnegan attorneys Anthony Delmonico and Reginald Lucas. Anthony, how does the public interest impact the ITC? In order to explain how the, imp- the public interest impacts the ITC, let's just take a step back and talk about what are the remedies at the ITC. If you are bringing a, an action at the ITC reporting a violation of, say, patent infringement, trademark infringement, a trade secret case, the remedies that you could seek at the ITC are, are a little bit more limited than in district court. At the ITC, the remedies you can obtain are either a limited or a general exclusion order, meaning that if an infringing or a product found in violation is brought in from another country, it will no longer be able to be imported because of the violation found at the ITC. The ITC will also provide what's called a cease and desist order for any any products that are violating or found infringing in the United States. So if the products are already in the United States, the product either needs to be destroyed or be exported out of the United States since it can no longer be sold here. So with respect to that, looking at that prism, what the public interest uh, step comes in is where at the end of the ITC decision, the commission finds a violation. There is an infringement, uh, a patent infringement or a trade secret violation. And then the ITC needs to weigh whether or not its remedy should be issued based on how it may impact the public interest. And this gives the commission quite a bit of latitude on what they're able to do with their remedy if uh, if they, they believe that there is a public interest harm that that may apply. And the commission can do many different things with, with, this, uh, with this ability through the public interest. The commission may suspend any sort of exclusion order that may be issued because of a violation, but also the ITC may modify an exclusion order or a cease and desist order to the extent that the public interest requires that type of uh, modification to essentially benefit the, the, people, the people of the United States, the people that may be impacted downstream that may not be specifically identified or participating in the investigation. Okay, great. Thank you, Anthony. R- Reginald, what are the factors the ITC considers for public interest? Sure. In every investigation, the ITC is directed to consider four factors in deciding whether its remedial orders adversely impact the public interest. And in no particular order, the first factor is the public health and welfare. And this factor has to do with whether the exclusion order, for example, would adversely impact the well-being of the public, essentially. And typically, we see this factor being argued in cases affecting medical equipment, for example, hospital beds or research and development in terms of cancer. However, we have also seen this factor discussed in cell phone cases, believe it or not, as a exclusion of articles would affect first responders, for example. The second factor is, again, in no particular order, the effect that the exclusion order, for example, would have on the U.S. consumer. And this factor has to do with ITC's concern that a shortage of articles could deprive the United States consumer of enjoyment of those articles. So that's why we're concerned with the U.S. consumer. The next factor is competitive conditions in the United States. We want to issue an exclusion order, but at the same time, we do not want the competitive ecosystem to be upset by the exclusion order. And finally, the fourth factor is like or directly competitive articles. Here, the ITC's concern is that we want to make sure that 
if articles are excluded, there are alternative art articles that can replace the articles that were excluded. Anthony, how has the public interest factors typically applied to ITC investigations? Well, typically, as, as Reginald has explained, the, the, uh, the ITC looks at those four different factors and see how it's going to weigh out versus issuing, again, the exclusion order that's going to prevent these products into the United States. And there was, there was a rule change back in 2011 where the commission realized that it needed to, the commission appeared to realize that it needed to take in, may need to take in more evidence with respect to the public interest. And at that point, they uh, invited or they required that when a complainant files a complaint, that they have to include uh, a five-page explanation on how their, the exclusion order that or the remedy that they're requesting is going to impact the public interest. There then is a mechanism where the commission will allow public, either parties that are involved, parties that are not involved, but they may be impacted, or just any party that may have something to say about this request for an exclusion order uh, or for this request for this remedy to be applied and whether or not it should be applied. And so at this point, before the, before the ITC institutes the investigation, they'll, they'll hear from different parties either participating in the case or possibly not participating in the case on how a, a remedy may impact them. Then the complainant may respond. And at that time when the case is instituted, the commission will then decide whether or not the, there's enough public interest concern that the ALJ should collect evidence on the public interest. And they will issue that in the notice of institution and say the ALJ must actually handle and, and collect information and evidence on the public interest. And then the last part is that the uh, respondent, when they do respond to the complaint, must include some sort of response about how the public interest may be impacted by the requested remedy. Now, they made this change again about 12 years ago, and it's, 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 we're going to discuss how that impact has happened at the ITC over the last 12 years. But before that, the public interest portion of the uh, commission rules wasn't really used that frequently. And in fact, the public interest in, in the history of the ITC, there was only three instances when the, I, the commission actually had issued a violation, found a violation, it was going to issue a remedy, but then had to suspend the remedy due to public interest concerns. And those three cases specifically are uh, from investigation number 67, certain inclined field acceleration tubes and components thereof. There's also the certain automatic crank pin grinders from investigation number 60, and also certain fluidized supporting apparatus and components thereof, investigations 182 and 188. And to give you an example of what those what, what, what concerned that and what got the commission to actually actually put forth the public interest above the violation and, and, and issuing the remedy, uh, for example, in, in investigation 60, automatic crank pin grinders, at that time, this was occurring in the in the late seventies, early eighties, when there was uh, a gas shortage, and so it was believed, or it was it was it was explained during the case that these crank pin grinders were important in order to to impact and to effectuate the government's position on making vehicles uh, cleaner and not as and and not burn as much fuel as they were, and so therefore they looked at the the public interest factors, weighed them against putting in such a putting in such a remedy as an exclusion order and said that due to the government's interest in trying to manage fuel consumption it would make sense to 
make sure that these cranking grinders, even though they infringe, be important to the United States to allow the government's interest in, in, in managing this fuel consumption issue. Similarly, in uh, the certain fluidized supporting apparatus and components thereof, this was uh, typically referred to as the burn bed case. So the matters at issue in this case, uh, in that case, uh, were burn beds. So when a, a victim in a fire is burned in a, a certain way, uh, they can receive some medical attention in these burn beds. And there's only, there, at the time, there was only a limited amount of burn beds available. If an exclusion ordered issue, the, the commission determined that there would not be enough supply to meet the demand of what was required for these burn beds. And so, as Reginald had mentioned earlier about the uh, medical exception, they saw that there was an issue here where people, the United States citizens, may not have access to this remedy, may not have access to these products, and therefore superseded the uh, any sort of remedy they were going to issue so that these burn beds could be brought in, even though they violated 337. So that is, in a nutshell, the really until 2011, where the public interest was used, where it was looked at by the commission uh, in order to analyze what and how a remedy should be issued or whether a remedy should be issued. But after 2011, when they put those rule changes in, as I noted, then the commission started looking at other cases that may be impacted by the public interest and started crafting different remedies that may not be necessarily suspending or not issuing an exclusion order, but instead modifying it to allow for the public interest factors to weigh in and uh, in, in balance with the, the importance of providing the remedy for violating uh, 337. Well, that's a fascinating history. Uh, Reginald, let's turn to more recent history. How have parties in the IETC recently used the public interest factors? What we have seen more recently is that, like Anthony said, although the ITC typically does not not issue its remedial relief due to public interest factors, what it does do sometimes is tailor that relief. And we've seen more recently that that tailoring comes in the form of delaying its remedial relief. For example, in the 1204 investigation, um, and the title of that investigation was certain chemical, mechanical, planarization, slurries, and components thereof. The technology here related to mechanical slurries that DuPont was alleged to have imported. And these mechanical slurries were used in semiconductor fabrication. In January of 2022, the commission issued cease and desist orders and a limited exclusion order. But instead of outright issuing the orders, the commission decided to delay these orders for a year, and the factors that were considered in the commission's determination were competitive conditions in the United States and the impact on the exclusion order to the United States consumer. The idea was that the commission wanted to give time for the affected parties to switch to non-infringing articles as an alternative to the infringing articles, and the commission decided that it was necessary to delay the issuance of its remedial orders by one year. This doesn't happen that much, but it, it does happen. And this is a, a great example of the commission tailoring its remedial orders. Another example is in December of 2011, in the 710 investigation, the cert entitled Certain Personal Data and Mobile Communication Devices and Related Software, the commission did a similar tailoring effect with the issuance of its, its, its remedial orders. The ITC found that to the extent that immediate exclusion of 
HTC smartphones would have an impact, an adverse impact on exclusion, it de decided to delay issuance of its exclusion order by four months. And it did this to allow the affected parties to, to switch smartphones. And one of the parties that was affected was T-Mobile. And it, the ITC determined that it would give four month, a four-month transition period to allow T-Mobile to switch from the infringing HTC smartphones to non-infringing alternative smartphones. So in those two investigations, we see that the ITC sometimes does tailor its remedy um, instead of not issuing an exclusion order at all, it issues a delay. And that period of delay ranges depending on the issues for the particular investigation at hand. Anthony, what about other ways in which the ITC has utilized the public interest factors? Yeah, so aside from delay, which again is probably one of the one of the more difficult remedies to get or a, some sort of response for public interest, the commission has handed out in, in recent history different exemptions for certain products to continue to be imported into the United States despite the fact that there is a exclusion order that issued. And that could be done for a variety of reasons. So for example, in 2022, when the certain microfluidic devices case the commission put forth a research uses exemption so that it realized that based on the technology in the case, that there was an important use of continuing to research these infringing, these infringing or vi these products, articles that were found to violate uh, for the public interest. Similarly, in 2019, in the certain road milling machines and components thereof, the commission allowed for a service parts exemption. Therefore, if to the extent that, and this again, start, this starts going down to more of the, the folks that are going to be impacted down the road, the, the end consumer that may be using these products, weren't aware of these, this litigation going on, will definitely not, will probably not be aware of any sort of exclusion order, but may need that service, those service parts down the line for a product they had purchased. So instead of punishing the end user for basically not even knowing that there was an issue with this product, they allow for the exemption to allow service parts to come in, even though the, 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 the products have been found to violate so that the end user can still operate. And similarly, that happened in certain baseband processor chips and chipsets, transmitter and receiving radio chips, uh, power control chips, et cetera, uh, in Investigation 546, where again, they, uh, in the baseband in this case, the commission determined to issue a limit exclusion order and a cease and desist order covering infringing processor chips and certain handheld wireless communication devices containing the, the, the violative chips. The commission then determined that the public interest warranted an exception in the limit exclusion order that permitted the importation of models of handheld wireless communication devices that were being imported on or before the issue date of the limit exclusion order, again, to satisfy these public interest demands. Now, and again, it's really, really important to note that in order to get these type of exemptions, you really do need to be thinking ahead and trying to, and getting evidence in to support your position that the consumers would be hurt. Or uh, there's also uh, there also could be, say, a warranty exemption where, again, the end user had already purchased the product. They have a warranty. They weren't aware of this type of investigation occurring. And the company is on the hook. Uh, the, the company, the, the respondent that's fine to violate is on the hook providing service for these warranties. If the respondent during an investigation provides evidence to support 
that they have a warranty obligation and that the end user are going to need these this warranty obligation to to move forward that these products these though violating should be imported to allow basic business to go as usual and to allow the end consumer the ability to move forward okay so reginald how would you advise in-house counsel to consider the public interest factors when preparing for an investigation Sure, that's a really great question. These ITC investigations move very, very fast. And what we've seen, I'm sure Anthony can attest to this as well, what we've seen is that the public interest analysis is often ignored and not given the same weight as the rest of the case. And this is a mistake. It's very important to consider the public interest, despite the fact that the ITC has only not issued remedial relief due to public interest factors in three investigations is very important for the reasons that we've discussed today for litigants to consider the public interest. And the analysis should be very thorough. At every avenue, litigants should take advantage of considering at least providing comments on the public interest. As Anthony mentioned, one opportunity is provided under the new rules. Under the rules, the complainant has to put in a statement of addressing the public interest factors. And after the institution occurs, after the ALJ issues initial determination on violation, and when the commission decides to review that determination, the parties will have another opportunity to submit comments and argument on the public interest. This opportunity should definitely be taken advantage of and Thorough analysis should be provided to the commission, considering and uh, weighing the public interest, the four public interest factors that I mentioned earlier. And the reason that this is so important is that a delay in issuing remedial relief of even several months um, may make all the difference in terms of a litigant planning to uh, finalize a st strategic plan as to how to proceed when the exclusion order issues. And a prime example of that is a plan for a redesigned product replacing a product that the commission has determined uh, will be excluded due to a violation of section 337. So it's very important and we really can't stress it enough. Litigants should really always consider uh, weighing in on the public interest and given this aspect of the investigation as much attention as any other aspect in the investigation. Okay. Well, Reginald, Anthony, thank you so much for this important discussion on, on the public interest. Our guests have been Anthony Delmonico and Reginald Lucas of Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www. Finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.